Hi everybody, this is Ben and this is Ben's Week in Medical School, sharing knowledge about the human body and glimpses into life in medical school. This podcast is for your entertainment and education. I do my best to present accurate information, but this is not professional medical advice and does not represent the views of my medical school. Hi everybody, welcome back to Ben's Week in Medical School. This is episode 211 and I'm finishing week 80 of medical school. It has been a while since the last podcast episode, just about two months to be exact. Christmas and New Year's came and went. I tested positive for COVID during the Omicron surge, which ate into my winter break significantly. Uh, I've had two exams for the reproductive and endocrine system and the behavioral medicine system, some inspiring lectures. I've had two licensing exam practice tests and lots of other things for street medicine, and I am starting some new research and trying to wrap up some old research. Let's get to it. I would say a big driving force of not completely having time to make any podcast episodes has been preparing for my step one licensing exam. It's one of three steps involved in becoming a licensed medical doctor in the United States. And the first step traditionally kind of marks the transition from the preclinical years into the clinical years of medical school. Step one is really all about basic sciences, understanding how a drug acts on the body, understanding the different pathways involved in different diseases, knowing which antibiotic for which bacteria, and then knowing how that antibiotic works. In order to get ready, I've taken two practice, I guess three practice exams now, two since my last podcast episode. One of the requirements is that we actually have to achieve a passing score on a practice test in order to be able to sit for the real exam. Just after the holidays, sometime in the beginning of January, I did pass a practice test. That's great news. That means there's nothing standing in my way of actually taking the exam on March 18th. March 18th is 37 days away. That's kind of terrifying. So at this point, I am using most of my outside of class time to study a little bit for class, but mostly start to go back over old material. I'm using a lecture series by Uh, an eminent pathologist. I'm doing practice questions every day and making flashcards out of some of those items or using some other resources, either video series or some of our textbooks to go relearn some of that material. It's really helpful to get all this stuff fresh back in our minds. It's really cool to start putting this stuff back together and Uh, At the same time as it's very humbling because there's sometimes half of the questions I get wrong. It's also motivating because when I look up the right answers, I understand why they are that way. And I'm able to relearn that material fairly quickly. So 37 days is the countdown for that. And it's, um, gosh, it's hard to imagine that it's coming up that soon. As I mentioned, there are a couple great lectures in the last two months. I had about three three things that stood out at the time. More, but I probably uh, was too busy to really make make them stick in my mind. We had a really great lecture in the endo- endocrine and reproductive health class by a woman who really explained her field so well and had 
great joy and fulfillment in the work that they do. Whenever that happens, I'm always uh, inspired and, and I wonder, oh, wow, would I be interested in being a gynecological oncologist in this case? One of the compelling things this specific physician was describing is that she actually does all of the care for that patient from the time of a cancer diagnosis to completing the surgeries to remove the tumor burden and planning a chemotherapy regimen and then doing six monthly follow-ups during the patient's whole remission and then even um, symptom palliation treatments if the cancer does recur, finally to end-of-life care. Oncologists have a tough job of guiding someone into this scary part of life when people have to reevaluate what makes their life meaningful and what qualities life has to have to be worth living and what trade-offs or risks are worth taking in the service of living longer. It seems really, really powerful to have that same doctor be with you for that whole journey. This, this doctor's patients are very lucky to have her and it was great. We felt lucky to have her as a lecturer. I've heard more and more of my classmates saying they feel burnt out. And I remember hearing this from classmates a year ahead of me around this time last year. It's just this time in our second year, it's been a year straight of school punctuated by one week breaks in our schedule where you spend a few days resting and then taking care of all the postponed obligations and appointments. And then usually by Thursday or Friday that week, starting to study for the new curriculum that's coming up, you know, pre-reading chapters and textbooks and stuff like that. So also by this time in school, a lot of us have taken on some leadership positions and groups and we're spending dozens of hours managing those groups, creating events, securing funding for activities and promoting opportunities for our, our classmates, which is one of the things that I think a lot of us always wanted to do here at school. Also joining and, and completing research projects takes up a lot of energy. And school actually gets harder and harder as it goes. So, you know, I think that we've all become a lot more efficient and we're getting more done quickly. I certainly have had to practice much better techniques of making to-do lists and sticking to a schedule and planning out even just a, a time to maybe have dinner with a friend a week or 10 days or two weeks out. I will say that med school is hard, but I don't, I don't feel a sense of deadening to the process, which seems like the real mark of actual burnout, this moral, moral fatigue and directionlessness. And that is really the insidious thing that creeps up on people starting in medical school, but really probably peaking in, in residency or even later in their careers. As one of our uh, psychiatrists, who's going to be retiring soon, put it, he said, if you can find something beautiful and lovable about your patients, you will prevent burnout. And I think that's true. I'm going to experience lots of people's pain and worst days, difficult conversations with them and their families. I'm looking forward to a lot of that. And that's part of why I wanted to be in this field. I try to pick up little nuggets from people when they seem like they, uh, they had a really healthy career. Uh, one of the gynecologists, I also got to have a more extended conversation with him. And he mentioned that basically rejected the idea of burnout completely. And, uh, and he said, don't talk to me about burnout. The day that I stop learning and reading more things about medicine and the day that I stop feeling joy from serving patients is the day that basically signals the end of my career. 
And that was really inspiring too. So burnout, yeah, I, I feel sort of the grind and the repetitiveness of study, 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 test, and then um, sending and receiving email after email that makes just minor changes into what I have to do in a given day or week, you know, changing the attendance policy. I have to log in on my phone and my tablet just to get in and mark that I'm in a class. Just little things get on my nerves, but largely I still am really enjoying the process and I feel like I've grown a lot. So it's definitely been worth it. I've mentioned my research project where we are studying two different nausea medications in the emergency department. So it's a clinical randomized controlled study of the two different nausea medications. That one is sort of coming to a big milestone. We're going to, we're going to publish a poster at our, um, at our university's research day. Hopefully our poster gets selected and then we'll all get to talk about our research to our colleague. The drug does not seem to perform worse than the current first line drug for nausea. It also performs better actually at controlling pain, but we don't have as many patients enrolled as we'd like. We expected to have about three times as many patients as we had by now. And so we might have to just roll this project, roll it up, pack it up, pack it in. <laughs> We're going to work on this poster and then sort of start to develop a plan for how many how many more months we want to try to enroll patients. We're leaving kind of our window of opportunity to enroll patients because once we get into our clinical years, we really are working like all day in the clinic and won't have any time, any free days anymore. You know, there's a lot more flexibility in the preclinical years and that'll all go away in third year. I'm starting a new project to look at the state of street medicine programs. We're gonna to try to send out a survey to all of them and do a structured interview, semi-structured interview, and learn about what works well for them, what doesn't work well, how they're structured, and kind of help make a baseline for understanding what street medicine is in the United States and who's doing it and how it's working and what kind of outcomes they're achieving for their patients. So I'm looking forward to this project a lot. I think it's gonna be great. And I, we have a really cool team that we've put together. Old research, maybe concluding, new research starting up. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. That's all I've got for today. I talked about USMLE step one test that's coming up in 37 days. Some great lecture material and uh, fighting or even denying burnout and some old and new research projects. Thank you to David Funkhauser for the intro and outro music. If you'd like to send me a question, feel free to do so. My email is ben at bensweek.com. Have a great week.